The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Here are some headlines that I want you to think about. The New York Times, July 2019. Don't scoff at influencers. They are taking over the world. Wired, April 2020. Could the coronavirus kill influencer culture? Vanity Fair, January 2021. Fake Famous, The Dark Side of Influencer Culture. And Ad Week, October 2021. We are all part of the influencer economy now. So as these headlines clearly show, the rise, the predicted fall, and the ultimate perseverance of influencers has been both jarring and rejuvenating for the PR industry. On today's Provoke Media podcast, we're going to take a deeper look at the role influencers play, specifically in healthcare, and we're going to anchor this conversation in some research that was conducted by MMC. I'm Arthi Shaw, executive editor of Provoke Media and host for today's episode, which also kicks off a bigger multi-part series that we're doing with MMC on this very topic. So if you like what you hear today, good news for you, there is much more to come. So on today's show, we have Olga Fleming, who's president of Healthcare Incorporated at MMC. But before Olga and I talk, we're going to start with some eye-popping headlines from the research. To give us the download on this, I'd like to welcome Maddie Simcoe, who's a strategist at MMC and who was an integral part of the, sur- this, of the survey. Welcome, Maddie. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Excited to be here and to talk about this. I mean, I could talk for days, so mm-hmm. I will try to keep it to a minimum. Um, but, you know, those headlines really speak for themselves. And kind of jumping off of that, let me ask you this. When I say the word influencer, what comes to mind? Is it a millennial recording and unboxing of their latest subscription box? Or is it maybe a teen sharing their skincare routine? You know, like, that's kind of what we think of. But what about doctors creating TikToks to educate on the importance of pap smears to screen for cervical cancer? Or parents sharing videos of themselves, swapping out their child's glucose monitoring system to educate others living with type 1 diabetes? You know, these are both examples of influencers in healthcare and just a few of the many in this quickly growing space. Uh, At MMC, we have a long and proud history of unlocking the power of influence, and we believe that any and every campaign we work on should have an integrated approach that includes influencers because they are this authentic, incredible connection to our audiences. And for the past five years, we've worked closely with influencers in the healthcare space on everything from highlighting the patient experience of living with migraine to really identifying and driving awareness of the signs and symptoms of endometrial cancer. And because of this work we've done, it's been so fascinating to see this boom in healthcare influencer engagement over the past couple of years. And now it's just, it's one thing to just observe in our own newsfeed and, you know, see the headlines that you mentioned, but we wanted to actually prove it out and see if there has been a tangible shift in health influence since the pandemic created this virtual first reality and a hyper-focus on health. So being the data-backed agency we are, uh, we took this as an opportunity to conduct our own research to uncover key insights and patterns about how consumers are searching for healthcare information digitally. 
Earlier this year, we ran a first of its kind survey and captured responses from a nationally representative sample. And we asked them a ton of questions, including their social media behaviors, how they got about how they go about finding this health information, who they trust for health information on social media, and of course, how have these behaviors changed since March of 2020. And the results were fascinating. They showed that not only does the general public search for health information on social media, but it's across a variety of channels and from a spectrum of different voices and sources. And this isn't just Gen Z. All adults, even 65 plus, uh, are on social media engaging with quote unquote influencers for health information. Now, we'll go into a lot more of the nuances on this data in this episode uh, on the differences between age groups, gender, and race and ethnicity in terms of who they trust and, and where they're getting their health information. But I do want to really hit home on one of our findings, and I my personal favorite finding, and it's that healthcare influencers have, well, immense influence on all adults. Uh, we found that over one third of participants said that they discover and learn about disease education from healthcare influencers. And then a little more than one in five are actually influenced to, to make a decision and to act upon this information. So they're motivated to do something such as speaking to their doctor about a diagnosis. So it was really awesome, really interesting uh, results. And I'm excited to, to get into it more with you guys today. Yeah. And I, I mean, just to reiterate, I mean, it just for our audience, I mean, yeah, so it, this is not just millennials. It's not just Gen Z. Um, as Maddie mentioned, this is across age groups and across platforms in which people yeah. are um, using um, influencers to, to, to educate themselves. So um, I will invite Olga to join and we will dive into this a bit more. Hi, Olga. Hi, Arthi. So, Olga, you know, before we dive into the survey, I think a lot of folks may know you because you've been in the industry for a while, um, and now you are here at, at MMC. Can you tell people a little bit um, about you and how you ended up at, at MMC? Sure. So, I've spent close to 30 years in healthcare communications, um, working all across the spectrum. So, started with financial communications, corporate communications, and in recent years on product and corporate as well. So um, having worked with small biopharmaceutical, biopharm companies to large pharmaceutical companies, institutions and organizations. And, you know, one of the things that we're seeing right now is the communications in general is evolving, but healthcare communications over the last 18 months has evolved probably more than it has in the last 10 years. And what we're seeing is, um, at the nexus of, of how we communicate is the importance of culture and individual impact. And so it's actually one of the reasons why I joined MMC because Marina Marr was one of the first to see the uh, importance of culture, specifically in women's communications, in driving uh, influence and shaping mindsets and motivating behaviors. And so, you know, the time is right for us to really understand social influ influence by looking at the cultural cues that are um, really governing how we communicate and motivate 
any type of audience. And how we apply that in the healthcare setting is, is really interesting because obviously we're dealing with communications that's, that, it, that, uh, that is regulated, and um, you, but at the same time has a lot of opportunities. Yeah, and I think that's a good that, that's a good jumping off point to, to think about kind of something that Maddie said at the beginning of the conversation. And when we think of influencers, I think most of us still think of that consumer space, you know, skincare, unboxings. Um, but you know, the healthcare influencers are growing really rapidly, and it seems like there is this blurring between those two spaces. Um, I'm going to open this up to either of you um, if you want to speak to that. Sure, it's very interesting. So I think in the last year, one of the thing, one of the the big headlines is that everybody is interested in their healthcare. I mean, people, everyone was always interested in healthcare, and you know, obviously, we have people who are constantly googling, um, you know, different conditions and symptoms. But we got to a point this year where we really had to explain very complex science to very large patient populations um, or the world for that matter, right? So, so there was a, um, a, a point where we are actually talking about the process of clinical trials to the masses and distilling very interesting and complex mechanisms to, um, to, to, to lay people on a level that we had never done before. And so with that came an evolution of how we utilize certain channels to ensure that we're educating everybody where they are. And that's something that everybody really should be mindful of, that at the end of the day, you know, influencers will be out there, they, they will talk about, you know, a whole host of things that are important to them and important to their audience. But relevancy is key because in this, what we call the attention economy, relevance of what we talk about from a healthcare standpoint is, is very important in drawing in those audiences and making sure that you are impacting information exchange. So that said, a lot of people in this period of time, Arthi, entered, um, you know, different types of channels and like TikTok, where you have doctors and patients talking about their experience, explaining complex subject matter or topics. And you would have never seen that before had we not had something like the COVID or the pandemic to really spark that flame. Right. No, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, we completely shifted the average consumer's interest in some of these healthcare minutiae. You know, I guess on that note, I mean, you know, there were this is an enduring and evolving pandemic, and depending on even regionally where you are, the severity of it differs, and, and the behavioral modifications <laughs> differ based on where you live. So, you know, there is obviously, I think there was an Axios headline, was it yesterday, that said people are, quote, over Delta. Um, there, there is obviously a COVID fatigue, and I'm curious how this is being handled and what you're seeing on the influencer space. Are we seeing shifting narratives? Is a movement away from COVID to talking about other healthcare topics now? Yes, absolutely. So what COVID did um, for um, healthcare communications on social media is it opened up the door in a very large way. I mean, the door was always open, but now what we see is that more people are having healthcare conversations. And a lot of people generated followings um, based upon uh, information that they were exchanging about the pandemic. But now, 
in order to engage their audiences, now they're talking about other things, other healthcare topics. I mean, obviously, some of the most prominent healthcare topics are nutrition, weight loss, gut health, uh, but, but there's a lot of conversation around dermatology, diabetes, migraine, conditions that a lot of people are managing um, and want information about. So while the conversation may, there's a lot of converse, uh, fatigue around the COVID conversation, it did help open the door for people to become comfortable uh, discussing information, sensitive information such as, such as this in new platforms. Right. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And especially, you know, conditions that folks are, are living with, right? And they're having to manage on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, to your point about the attention economy, right? I mean, we are very much living in, in that reality. So what, especially from the healthcare space, what is this balance between giving the audience what they want versus what they need to hear to this point about COVID fatigue, right? I mean, if you're a, a doctor on, on, you know, on TikTok or Instagram, I mean, there is, a, 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 you know, you probably feel a responsibility to constantly let people know, hey, look, I know we're all tired. I know, you know, the pandemic is not over. Here are some things that you still need to, you know, care about versus, you know, what people want, you know, what, what they, this balancing what people want versus what they need. Um, do you have those conversations with influencers, especially ones that are, um, you know, credentialed uh, medical professionals? We do. And, you know, one of the recommendations that we've put forward, and there's actually some very interesting data in the survey, so I'm going to flip it over um, because there's some few things that I think that Maddie can, can key in on and exactly what people search for. But um, the conversation that we're having is have an open dialogue. So I, as you will see um, on any platform, whether it be Instagram stories or TikTok or even Facebook, influence are, influencers are actively asking their followers for what do you want? What type of information are you seeking? And so as communicators, we need to look at some of that, some what they're saying they're hearing from their followers as, as being hungry. What type of information are they hungry for? So that open dialogue is key because people's interests change. Um, and we need to make sure that we're constantly in, in, you know, in lockstep with what people want to hear, what people want to know. Uh, so we at we we basically advocate for people to really ask, to go out there and ask, you know, what do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of? And I think a lot of people are seeing some of those polls on, especially on their Instagram feeds. Right. And especially when it comes to healthcare, it changes, right? I mean, if you're pregnant and, you know, that's going to be very much your focus for a certain period of time. And then, and then you're probably going to unfollow a bunch of, you know, channels that may be solely focused on pregnancy. And then you're going to be looking at having a young child and, and, you know, or if you have an acute health crisis, right, there's going to be a period of time where that's going to dominate all of your probably interest. Um, and then as that sort of recedes, then, you know, other things might come in. So I think healthcare is sort of this constantly moving and dynamic space for people as well. Um, you know, then there's also the evergreen topics like skincare and nutrition and, and weight, you know, management that people that probably have sort of a longer place in people's lives. And Maddie, I didn't mean to cut you off because I don't know if you had some data that you yeah. wanted to share. Yeah, I knew I was going to add, um, you know, everything Olga's been saying. Uh, it's it's not only that we're looking for a variety of topics from a certain type of influencer or expert, but it's also uh, everyone's following a, a, a variety of different voices to 
to kind of hear those different perspectives. Um, so not only are they following maybe a few types of influencers for the same information to kind of validate and have multiple perspectives, but making sure that they are, you know, you're getting different topics from different types of uh, of influencers, professionals, advocates, et cetera. So, you know, what we found um, for women, you know, we are MMC really prides themselves on marketing to women. So just pulling out some numbers there uh, when it comes to health experts and health information, um, it, it was interesting that their number one source on social media is doctors. 61% uh, of them follow doctors on social media followed closely behind nurses at 61%. Um, and then the other two that were kind of notable was, uh, we've been talking about nutrition. So 42% of women surveyed follow dietitians. Um, and then we've also been talking about relevancy and authenticity, and it, it reigns true again. 39% uh, of women follow patients and caregivers to really, you know, hear that perspective, that authentic, 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 oh my God, words, authentic <laughs> right. uh, experience, you know, that they can connect to, uh, wow, I'm also going through that. This is really important for me to hear. So it's, it's crazy that they are, you know, we're, we have almost like an armory of influencers that we're looking to, to be educated on health information. That's such an excellent point, and it really goes to the, what, and, and Olga, I'd love to get your perspective on this, um, around trust, right, and how, you know, there's different groups for different experiences, and Olga, I'd love to hear your perspective around how we, how folks build and, and maintain trust, whether they are, you know, a, a peer, you know, someone who's dealing with an experience of, you know, some type of condition, or whether it's a medical professional. Um, well, it's all about presenting you know, an opinion with authenticity and it coming from a personal relevance. So, you know, especially when brands are working or companies are working with influencers, you know, the number one thing is to work with people who represent um, the brand, who represent uh, the messages that, that you believe your audience wants to hear, not the messages that you want to tell. And so, you know, I think that there's a really important nuance there because most populations and because we looked at women, we looked at um, a diverse group of populations, whether it was black population, the Hispanic population. And what we saw is that most populations look for like minded professionals or like minded people to um, to garner information from. And so when when we're talking about that trust because at the end of the day it's who you know if if your if your followers essentially trust your opinion or at least weigh it so you know we want to make sure that how we engage with influencers is also fully transparent um and we've come a long way in the last 10 years of doing that but now we see more and more people talking about their experience and saying that you know they're working with the company or they're working with a brand, but this is truly their authentic experience and they're sharing that. And, you know, it's, you, you would be surprised, but, you know, people can see through messaging uh, and they can see when someone's having a good experience with a brand or really feels passionate about uh, talking about uh, educating in a specific disease category. So, you know, 
relevance is key, like-mindedness is key. And what I would say is that it cannot be a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. So one of the things that we see sometimes is that companies and brands take the same copy mm -hmm. and replicate it on, you know, with through influencers, but on Twitter, Instagram, whatever the Facebook, whatever the channel. And we really have to take an audience first approach, um, not only a channel first approach, but now it's an audience first approach. What does your audience want to hear? Yeah. And then are they on that channel? Right. I mean, what we see is that, for example, with um, the African-American community, they over-index on YouTube. They go to YouTube and they value uh, celebrity opinion as well, um, where, you know, we see the Hispanic population over-indexing on following um, medical professionals. And so we have having this type of data at our hand, you know, at our fingertips is really helpful because then we can tailor posts and tailor messages and tailor influencer outreach to the right audiences. Trying to boil, boil an ocean with the same type of post across a whole bunch of influencers across channel is not going to get the results and, and nor will it foster, uh, you know, an experience that's positive between a brand and its audience. That is such an excellent point. And I, I was having a conversation this morning just about sort of the, what, what you're talking about is sort of this, this intersection, right? I mean, like if we, if we just say, hey, we, we want people engaged in health, it's like, okay, yes, but, you know, the Black community engaged in health may engage with health care in a very different way than the Latino community. Um, and again, I'm sure you all, have, you know, there's, you can slice and dice this up, you know, based on age and region and socioeconomic factors. And I think that's really smart for folks to think about their content and who their audience is and in the various audiences they're trying to reach because these different, you know, people have a lot of different identities and that does inform what they consume and who they trust um, and how they engage with content. Um, I know we, we have, we're, we're running low on time, but I did want to at least, Olga, you did mention this. Um, we talked about the commercial model, right? I mean, most people now associate influencers with having some kind of commercial model. And I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of the lay of the land in terms of what that commercial model looks like for healthcare and, and how much of it is paid versus earned. Well, the commercial, you know, the commercial model is essentially a paid media strategy, if you think about it that way. Um, so from that perspective, it is def we definitely look at a paid media strategy. Uh, earn would be great. And so when we work, we take an earn first approach, regardless of channel, which is important, right? But an earned first approach we take with key publications, which are influencers in their own right, because they publish a significant amount of content on a regular basis. So from an earned standpoint, we engage with key publications on key channels. But when we, when we work with um, influencers from a paid media perspective, we really look at this audience first through audience first lens. Because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that um, we're engaging with people whose followers match our audience because oftentimes we look at, you know, it used to be that, you know, you, let's say your, your target audience is females, uh, you know, 35 to 55, and then you try to find an influencer that fits that mold. But sometimes you'll find that maybe you have a great influencer within that demographic, but their followers are different. They're younger or they're older, or they're men. 
And so really understanding who the followers are, what the type of content people are, you know, reacting to, and also going off the beaten path a bit, right? Because mm -hmm. just because, you know, sometimes you may not necessarily have to find a healthcare influencer. The influencers that do really well, and, you know, we all, you know, probably follow them, but, you know, you have, you could have an influencer who's primary subject matter could be decorating or cooking but they also talk about themselves they talk about um a husband's ailment or how they are managing um being a full-time mom and having a full-time job or they're talking about how they're managing their diabetes while they're running a decorating business right so the infusion of their real selves into their content is something that we always try to look at because that's how you serve up content in places where people are consuming that kind of content. Maybe they're going there for one thing, but they've created a relationship with that person. So they've created a relationship with that influencer that they're constantly following. So when they say, you know, I had a bad day today, my glucose levels were off and I just, I, I, canceled my appointments and I, but you know, I'm here guys and tomorrow I'll be posting another reel. That's reality. That's how you infuse healthcare messaging into real life, because let's face it, we're humans. We're not just influencers or patients or whatever. We're humans. Right. So, yeah. You know, and I was also thinking about the fact that, you know, there's aspirational influencers, right? I mean, if you follow Reese Witherspoon or Kate Hudson or Gwyneth, I mean, like, I mean, that's, that's aspirational. And then there's the ones who are your peers, right? The ones whose who's morning routine probably looks more like yours and less like Kate Hudson's. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think people are seeking different types of content from different, different people. Um, so I think that's just such an excellent point. And also to your point about diamonds in the rough, I was actually having a conversation this morning about Substack journalism and about how, you know, these, these Substackers, right, they may not have the audiences that as big as they did when they were at the big publications, but they have a much smaller and committed niche community now. And I think we see that on the influencer space as well. Well, this was such a lively discussion, and I'm so thrilled that this is the first of many um, discussions on this topic, because um, I think we could obviously keep keep on talking. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Maddie. And thank you, Olga, for joining us. And I hope that we will have um, one or both of you on again here soon. Thank you so much, Arthi. This was a great discussion. We'll talk to you all soon. Yeah, thank you so much. And we will be back Bye. with another episode of the Provoke Media Podcast and another episode of this series soon. You've been listening to the Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.